This is The Plural of You, a podcast about people helping people. I'm Josh Morgan. is an entrepreneur and the founder of Fit to Recover, a nonprofit sober gym that provides an outlet for people in recovery from addiction. Ian started training a few friends at a park in Salt Lake City, Utah a couple years ago, and a tight community of both former addicts and non-addicts has formed around him. Now he's opened a facility that's part gym and part community center, and he's using lessons from his own recovery to expand his vision for helping others. I talked with Ian recently via Skype. Reading his website and seeing his story in Salt Lake City media left me with a strong impression that I just couldn't shake. This is someone who is clearly passionate about his mission, and I'm in awe of how devoted he is to helping others. Plus, it's not every day that I get to ask someone what a sober gym is, so talking with him was a real treat. I'll play our conversation in a moment. I grew up in the Deep South, where addiction is almost as ubiquitous as college football or church on Sunday. Everyone down that way either knows someone who has experienced addiction or they have dealt with it themselves. I've seen a lot of people struggle with alcohol in particular, and that includes a lot of men in my family. It's one of the reasons I pursued sociology in college, because I wanted to understand why so many people can lose sight of themselves due to their compulsions. From my perspective, addiction works differently for everyone, and no one theory gets it right. I've known people who have kicked drinking or drug habits cold turkey. I've known functional addicts. I've known a few that have lost their minds because of their habits, and I've known a couple that have died. For some, no amount of support will help. But research suggests that most who want to recover can do so with positive social influences in place. That's why I admire what Ian's doing, because not everyone has that social safety net to fall back on. People deal with addictions across all social classes, age groups, races, and so on. And dismissing them as selfish or as products of bad choices is the worst possible response. Instead, the compassionate response would be to look at what the person is coping with and try to help them manage it instead of criticizing them for not knowing how. If it helps, think of it this way. According to journalist Johan Hari, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's human connection. That's what Ian is providing with Fit to Recover. Ian reminds me of a few people I've known who have died or I've lost contact with, so in a weird way I found it comforting to talk with him. He spoke with me from his office at the gym, and he surprised me with a few questions of his own, which got me to open up a little about my own life, so I hope you don't mind that. Anyway, I think you're going to like him. Here's Ian Acker. Founder and leader at Fit to Recover. Hey, Ian. Thanks for doing this. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, no worries, man. No worries at all. You told me the other day that you were recording something this afternoon. What are you recording? So we have a music studio. Um, we have a music studio in Fit to Recover. That's part of kind of the creative process that we've developed here. And uh, a treatment center actually came in and they uh, they recorded our topic today was relationships so we 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 did a rap six six people did a rap about their relationships what they struggle with um and where they're at with their life so yeah what it was was it was an audio recording for for people in treatment um just to kind of get the creative expression of uh of music across to them so that was from two to four today and we're running classes from uh five to nine tonight so that creative aspect, is that part of your program? Yeah, um, we have a creative writing class as well. And, you know, my whole life, it seems like I've, I don't want to say I've done things differently, but I've kind of molded them in my own sense. And uh, that's why I want this place to just be whatever you want it to be, as opposed to this is how it has to be. Yeah, that's great. 
So tell me about yourself. What's your background? Oh man. Um, it seems like you've been all over the place. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. That's where I spent the first 23 years of my life. Graduated from Wittenberg university, um, on a Scott, uh, on a soccer scholarship. Where's Wittenberg? That's in Springfield, Ohio. Okay. And, uh, I got heavy into into drinking in high school. I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like kind of like I had to wear a bunch of different hats um, just to impress people. I always fit in, but I never quite felt like I fit in, if that makes any sense at all. Right, right. Um, so I started drinking and partying in high school. And uh, I had a buddy who, who died and that escalated my use. And in college, I kind of held it together a little bit just because of soccer. It, it held me accountable. Graduated with my business degree while taking a bunch of stimulants to, to try and focus and get my grades. And uh, I thought I could change everything and change my demographics. So I moved to Hawaii and that's where, you know, I, I kind of, I thought if I changed scenery, then my addiction would kind of leave me behind and uh, it just got worse. So I lived in Hawaii for a year and a half, just doing side jobs and, you know, just surfing and kind of really, really miserable, man. It was a really low time in my life. A lot of cocaine, a lot of amphetamines, a lot of alcohol, a lot of pills. And I came back to, came back to Ohio and my parents sent me to Utah for treatment from drugs and alcohol. That was at 26. It took me four or five treatment centers to, to kind of make it stick that, you know, drugs aren't the solution. They're more of the problem. And, uh, I've been out here ever since. Why Utah? We just Googled treatment centers. So I'm guessing you made friends while you were in treatment and that's why you stuck around. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a slower pace for me, which is good. It's not, it's not so quick. And, and, uh, I like the mountains. I like being outside and the people here are really nice. So it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. And, and what you said is very true. I found people in, uh, in recovery in the, the tight knit group that they have here. Um, it seemed like a good place to stay. Do you have family nearby? No, no. I have, uh, my mom and dad are in Breckenridge and my mom, Commutes from Breckenridge to Ohio, so. Okay. So I've never heard of a sober gym before. Where did you get the idea for that? Uh, it happened in rehab. It happened in rehab. I would just train people for free um, because, you know, part of recovery is helping other people. Um, it, even though you're at their service, it still does something for you. Um, so it's kind of that give take and, uh, I think that's the importance of service and of the early stages of fit to recover is it was just all, how can I help you? And in turn, I saw people getting results and I saw people that were happy. So I kind of played off the, the training and treatment. And I just one day I said, you know, I'm going to do something different. And uh, I got a boom box and I went to the park and I announced on Facebook that we were going to do a boot camp. Um, once a week for people in recovery. Oh, wow. And the first one, there was three people and it's grown to about 65. There'll probably be 60 people here tomorrow. So. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, it was, 
it was out on a limb. And, you know, a little bit of the backstory was in treatment. I found a place called Phoenix Multisport that does similar sober activities. And I did an internship there and I learned what they had. And then I kind of just created my own in Utah. I know you mentioned you were involved in soccer, but have you always been involved in fitness other than that? Yeah, I've always I've always made a part of my life. Um, I have really bad anxiety and ADHD, so it slows my brain down. Uh, running is one of my biggest coping tools today. You know, any type of physical activity. I mean, if I'm in a conversation, I'm usually walking around, you know, because I can't I can't sit still like this is hard for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes your service different than other addiction treatment programs? It's, it's a community. It's, it's, we're selling community. It's more of a, and it, it's not to say the treatment centers don't care, but it's, it's a, it's a place where you can find, um, resources to people that have been through the struggle and have gotten out of it and are now bettering their life, I guess. It's the step after treatment. You know, it's one more thing that we can use in our list of skills and recovery to try and benefit. So I guess what we're doing. It's not any different. It's just that we're a nonprofit community. What are some examples of things you do with the people who come to you? So Saturdays we run a boot camp and then we have a process group afterwards. Process group meaning just we talk about how we're feeling, where we're at. Um, Mondays we do a, a process group with the run. And again, a process group is not a therapy group. It is just individuals talking about their day. So maybe Joe's struggling with a relationship or, or anxiety or he's depressed, you know, we reach out, we try and, we try and nurture him and guide him to the right place. Um, and then we go on a run. We're running three classes a day, Monday through Friday, um, 7, 7 a.m., 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. And those are circuit training classes. So they're more geared towards the weights. And on my website, all this is kind of detailed, but, um, I do a boot camp. And then we have an AA meeting on, on Monday and uh, we have now a hip hop jazzercise class. I mean, it's really what the community wants and it's evolving as the community starts to take place. We have movie night tonight. I mean, it's just, you know, it's whatever is in demand we will provide. That's so cool. So how did you write a business plan for a gym? That's also an addiction treatment center. Like how did you get the funding? It's not an addiction treatment center. Oh, it's not. Okay. No, it's a, it's a 501c3. It's a nonprofit. And, uh, the business plan was, I mean, I, I have background in business, but, um, the business plan was helped by a group called score there in Utah. Um, one of the board members is now, or one of the employees there is now on my board of directors. And he kind of helped us through the, the lingo of the nonprofit language. And, uh, kind of what we needed to place where and where we needed to place what. And then we just built it like a regular for-profit business model um, and changed it to his liking. Okay. What types of addiction do you help people with? Um, drugs and alcohol mainly, but we're getting an influx of, you know, and we're not specialists. Like that's the thing to remember is we're not telling people with eating disorders what to do um, or people with heroin addictions, what to do. We're just here to support um, saying here are options or, you know, sometimes all they need is a phone call to reach out to, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're not licensed substance abuse counselors. Okay. I imagine you have a good staff in place. So what does it take to work at your gym? It takes a minimum of, uh, a year recovery. 
and then a certified in either, you know, like it'd be CrossFit, uh, rec therapy. And right now the nucleus is very small. It's, it's three people. So, you know, we're adding credentials and, and different things as, as the time changes. But as of right now, it's really focused on your recovery and, uh, your personal certifications when it comes to training. Now you've only been open for three months. Is that right? Two months. Two months yesterday. Two months, two months. Okay. How's it been so far? It's been hard. It's been really hard, but it's been good. And it's been both, you know, I'm, I'm 29 and I've never, I've never done anything like this. So it's a lot of moving parts, um, keeping people happy, but trying to sustain my own recovery and, and, learn and grow as a man. Um, we have about 55 paying members right now. We work with three treatment centers, hopefully to be five by the end of this month. And, uh, we're doing well for the first two months. What do the treatment centers help you with? So the treatment centers bring their clients in and then we, we put them through, through some type of workout and let them know that this place is available for when they leave treatment. If you know anything about recovery, it, it's all about support. And that's what Fit to Recover really is for people in recovery. So they get a session with us for an hour, twice a week. And, you know, we just use they use us like a gym, but they also bring their clients like for the audio recording and the different training and the aspects of the movie and the yoga and everything else. So it's we're kind of just another place that once they leave, their resources available. Okay. So I know you've only been open for two months, but I wanted to ask in all of your work with people who are dealing with addiction, are there any success stories that you're proud of? I have a lot, man. A guy that moved down to St. George and just came back. He has a year and a half of sobriety. St. George in Utah? Yeah. Okay. Another woman has been clean for two years. She just got her kids back. Oh, wow. Yeah. And another gentleman that's working right next to me um, just got three months. So, you know, he's been a big part of being consistent and staying with it. So we see him all the time. We see him all the time. And that's, that's what makes it worth it. You know, do you feel like you've always had an easy time helping people or is this something that you've learned in your own recovery? No, I think I've been good at helping people. I used to do special Olympics back when I was younger and it always made me feel good. I was, I was kind of felt bad for the person that didn't fit in. And, you know, this gym is like a direct reflection of helping people try and feel like they fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of people don't feel like they don't feel a part of, I've been lucky enough to, to be able to run with the crowd that thinks they're quote unquote cool, you know, even though I probably wasn't, but, um, I look at that as I'm a leader and that I could take, I can take that to the next level and start helping people because they're looking up to me for the different things in my life. But I mean, really, this leadership position has kind of trickled into the past six months is, is when I realized that I can really start being effective. That's great. So I imagine you get new people in and, you know, it's a new setting. Maybe they feel like they don't belong. How do you help them feel like they fit in? What's your favorite color? Red. Pick a number one through 10. Six. What's your favorite state? Well, the first one I think of is Alabama, but it's not really my favorite. 
Perfect. Well, I just broke you down. So what do you want to accomplish in this session? You know, wh- wh- where do you see yourself in this community? It's, it's, it's small, simple questions like that, that like if I engage in someone and I actually ask them how they're doing and how like actually caring about someone, it works magic. You know, asking someone what their favorite color is like breaks down a whole wall of, of insecurities and everything else. Oh, I never thought of that. Why is red your favorite color? You know, it, it, it's just small talk, but it, but it means so much to someone that's never gotten any attention. Mm-hmm. So it's just really, it's, it's focusing on the new person and making them feel as important as possible, helping them with their form, asking them what they're doing after the workout, just really tending to, them, you know, blowing me away right now, Ian. That's so simple. <laughs> well, good, man. That makes me happy. <laughs> so what made Salt Lake City a good place to open a sober gym? Well, I think, I think a lot of it is, uh, religion either works good or bad. You know, it can, and I shouldn't get on a tangent too much about this, but the Mormon religion is very prevalent here. And, uh, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't drink caffeine. Don't da 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 And either they stick with it or they rebel. And if they rebel, they're going to do whatever the, whatever they want. You know, antidepressants are the highest in, in Salt Lake City and <clears throat> Utah. Um, that's not the only factor. I think it, it's it's a it's a young town. It's for some reason there are a lot of treatment centers here. Maybe because it's scenic. But you know when I started this journey, I I put on a map where every treatment center was, and there's twenty in a ten mile radius of this gym. Wow, I had no idea. Now I've spoken with Elizabeth Bueller. I don't know if you know her, but she's the homeless services coordinator in Salt Lake City. We're going to be with them on Saturday tomorrow. Really? Doing what? We're going to help you the homeless. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. But in talking with you and you mentioning so many treatment centers, she gave me an impression of the city that I had no idea of, you know, with all the homeless shelters and whatnot. And you wouldn't expect it either, man. And that's the crazy thing is there's a lot of homeless people and a lot of drug use, a lot of heroin. But it's but it's everywhere. It's an epidemic, man. It's getting it's getting it's taken over. You go to any state, you go to the right place, it'll be flooded. Right. So this is an odd question, but I wanted to ask how you're doing with your own recovery. Are you in a good place? <laughs> that's I, a good question. I, I don't know. If that's, that's a good question. Maybe that's not the best way to ask that question, but I'm just wondering if you're okay with yourself. No, that's a good question. I'm not. I'm not. Um, it's a day-to-day process. Addiction is is serious, and it's as long as I'm maintaining and I'm, I'm doing the right things and helping people and, and going to my meetings and talking to my therapist and staying current, then I'm okay. But if I let any of that stuff slip, I'm out the door tomorrow and this place is closed down. So it's, it's not just this, you go to rehab and you get fixed. Right, right. It's everything in between that. And then working on yourself tenfold every day. What would you say is a common misconception about people dealing with addiction that the public gets wrong? They don't care about other people and they're ignorant. How do we educate people away from that? Power in numbers. I mean, we just have to keep proving ourselves, you know, it's uh, because when, when you're in the middle of your addiction, everything that people say is true. I didn't care about my family. I didn't care about my friends. I didn't care about anyone. Mm-hmm. And I would do anything to get a fix. So like when people see people in the midst of their addictions, it makes sense. But if you actually follow someone on their journey and you see how hard they're working and you see the countless number of hours that they they fight this disease, mm-hmm. it's just like 
telling you you can't have sugar anymore and, and watching you deal with it. You know, and it, it's maybe a little bit more extreme, but it's taking away something that you loved and telling you to deal with life without it. Wow. And it becomes really, you know, your coping mechanisms go out the window and it's facing yourself every day and the anxiety, the depression, the obsessive thoughts, the whole deal. So if someone wanted to help people dealing with addiction in their own area Mm -hmm. and they came to you for advice, what would you say to them? Stay consistent. I would tell them to stay consistent with whatever they're doing. As long as it has a good message, do the footwork. Because like I said, this started in a park with three people and now we're in a 5,500 square foot. So it's, it's about not giving up and not getting discouraged. Have you found that there are certain tactics like, well, like me, for example, I haven't dealt with the same issues that you have. What are your issues? What are your issues? My issues? Yeah. I think mine are more issues of mental health, not so much addiction. Uh, I deal with depression a lot. So that's something that's serious. Yeah, sure. Suicide? In the past, but not recently. Right. And where does that depression stem from? <laughs> I mean, see, these are the questions you're asking me. So Right, right. I could give you my life story. Um, it just comes from my feelings of self-worth, I suppose. Yeah. But it comes and goes. Right. Well, thank you for sharing. I mean, I think, and have you ever done drugs or alcohol? Not recreationally, but I've always had it in check, I guess. Yeah. Well, if you ever do speed, you will lose those feelings of self-doubt and self-worth. Really? And, and, and that's the problem is like you find something that's your solution and then it turns into your problem. But it's good that you can that you can check yourself before it becomes an issue, because then it, it runs your life. You know, for people that it's a problem for, how do you help them realize that it's a problem? That has to come from themselves. You know, I, I had people tell me I had a problem for seven years, eight years. And uh, until until I was in jail, handcuffed again, it wouldn't you know, I, I had to come to this realization that this is not working. And I needed to do whatever I had to do to make it work. So it really, you know, I can't tell you you have a drinking problem. You have to be the one to believe it and change it. But you can get help from people to support you in your decision, but you have to make that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Now, I know you've had some positive experiences, too. What's something that you've been a part of that you think about and it makes you smile? My parents are proud of me, man. My parents are proud of me and they believe in me. How did they help you get to where you are now? Um, they coached me through it. You know, my dad's a very, very smart gentleman. He has his PhD in communications and my mom writes grants for a living. So yeah. And then my sisters both, you know, they have their masters in nutrition and in, uh, occupational therapy. So they've been there saying that just keep pushing, keep pushing. Everything will be okay. Have faith, trust, keep doing your best. And I believe them. So what do you see in the future of Fit to Recover? The future is franchising in, in three years. The future is making this place sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then and then as we do that, um, franchising to different states. Oh, you got it all mapped out, it sounds like. Yeah, our three to five year plan has that in, uh, in the business plan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's who knows? Who knows what will happen? And that's why I just have to continue to do my best. So how can listeners follow you and fit to recover online? 
Uh, you can check out our Facebook page. It's just fit to recover, or you can check us out on www.fitnumber2recover.com. You can follow us on Instagram, uh, fit underscore to recover. And then uh, Twitter is at fit underscore to the number recover. And then email is FTR at fit <laughs> number two recover.com. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just that it's possible, man. It's possible. And, and I just, I just want to, uh, I want to thank you for reaching out and hopefully that we can uh, continue to inspire and, and help the next person out. And I, I really love your mission. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I'm really excited that you made time to talk with me because I really admire what you're doing. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. It, it takes people like you that say that to, to keep me going every day. So I appreciate that. That was episode six of the plural review. I first published it on March 15th, 2015. And here's an update on Ian and fit to recover. The gym was in its second month of operations. I believe when Ian and I first talked for this episode, the organization has since grown in line with Ian's vision. They moved into a larger facility in 2022 due to popular demand, and they now offer all sorts of services. Fitness is, of course, the linchpin of Fit to Recover, but they also offer programs on nutrition and music and creative arts. They offer recording spaces, which I believe Ian mentioned, and they also have a venue for concerts and other events. They also coordinate service opportunities for their members to get involved with every month. They've really come a long way, and it's obvious to me, looking back, that as strong as the community is at Fit to Recover, it's all thanks to Ian. Out of all the people that I've gone on to interview for the plural of you, Ian is one that I think about often um, compared to others, and he continues to inspire me uh, even all these years later. If you'd like to check out what Ian and Fit to Recover uh, as a community are up to, check out their website at fittorecover.org. This has been The Plural of You. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is pluralofyou.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.